0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of Turban Thinker Talks. So today we're going to be talking about education and fashion. And let me tell you something. We need a lot of educating in fashion. So I'm joined by the founder of Out and About Style magazine, Marsha Fry. So Marsha holds a master's degree in inclusive education. And throughout her career, she's been a teacher, an education consultant, a school leadership trainer, a vice principal. And most recently, she's led training and implementation in an artificial intelligence based company but along with her successful career in education she's also a self-confessed fashionista and out and about style magazine is one of the few 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 editorials in the middle east that is basically celebrity-free, and gossip-free, which is very unusual. And instead, Marsha's focus is on everyday heroes. So Marsha, it's really great to have you here with us. So thank you so much for joining Turban Thinker.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Likewise, likewise. So Marsha, I'm going to just take it back a little bit in time because when I was reading up on your profile, you said in 2010, you moved to Abu Dhabi on a whim. So who does that? I mean, what does that mean on a whim? I mean, did you get up in the morning and decide, right, I'm going to get on a plane to Abu Dhabi? And basically, why Abu Dhabi and not Dubai?
1: Um, So it was really crazy. I was teaching in Tottenham at the time. Um, I was actually one of the leaders in one of the schools in Tottenham. Um, and a great friend of mine who also is in Abu Dhabi, we just sat in the staff room and decided we should just take a break. Um, okay. Yeah. So we said, you know what? Let's take a break. So we started to look at what was out there. Um, and it was the start of the education reform in Abu Dhabi. Uh, okay, right. that's that's where it all started. we um we applied. <clears throat> um, and the funny story, we actually applied for similar posts, my friend and I. okay we went to, we went to um to Primark and we bought the same dress um, no way <laughs> and, yeah the come. Um, a full outfit she's also a black girl like myself full outfit and we showed it for the interview um in the same we, dress in the same dress
0: oh wow
1: yes all
0: right all yeah right.
1: um we interviewed i think i interviewed first then a gentleman that moved here with us as well he interviewed second and then she was the third person um and they took us all three of us um and we ended up living in the same building um yeah, oh, so how lovely. That's a really country, nice story. Yeah. So, so, I mean,
0: talk to me about your experience, because obviously you're moving to an entirely new country, very, very different culturally. Uh, you're coming from the UK. So how was that experience for you as an expat?
1: Uh, it was out of the ordinary, to tell you the truth. Um, it was very, very new. And in 2010, um, we were in a lane. So it was oh, very yeah. so that's quiet. Yes, very quiet, Um, and the fact that we looked so different as well played a part in it, because I'm telling you, every time I stepped into Lulu's, the stairs was like, "Uh, we've never seen anyone that looks like you, um, dressed like that, but um, yeah, welcome. So it was was a culture shock, but um, my Jamaican heritage tells me that, you know what, be flexible, take it easy, one day at a time, Um, and... You know, from there, it just it went quite well because I was willing to fit into the new culture. So I did learn quite a lot um, in that initial two years.
0: I think that's a really key thing. I mean, you know, for a lot of people who are moving around and traveling, I think that's a very important Mention you just said that you are also willing to fit in because it's so many, I mean, especially when you're talking about the UAE, which is like a melting pot and has so many different nationalities. It's some people, you know, you either love it and you accommodate yourself and you just becomes your home or you don't from the get go, you don't get along. And I think you're absolutely right. It has a lot to do with your mindset. I mean, you're coming out to a completely different culture, a different city, everything is new. And if you don't have that sort of willing to accept and compromise and learn then it's not going to be so it is a two-way and i'm glad that that was a great experience for you
1: yes absolutely absolutely um i don't think we could have made it if we didn't decide that um we are going to adapt um that, that and embrace that yeah. the culture um that was really key for us
0: so um we were going to be talking on a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago and then we weren't able to because congratulations, you've been awarded for the 12th most inspirational entrepreneurial woman in 2020 in the UAE Africa networking group. So how does that feel to be recognized? And I really love the fact that there is a UAE Africa networking group to to really sort of, um, you know, Highlight these achievements, and and this is very much going to lead on to, of course, the main crux of why we're talking today. But okay. tell me about how you felt.
1: Um, absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, I the work that I do, I do it from a place of real passion, uh, and everybody that talks to me, especially about the magazine, they understand that. I am very passionate about it. I'm in love with it for so many reasons. So to be recognized among phenomenal women, women, it, was, it just felt really amazing. It's like, okay, someone sees the great effort. Um, that's not why you're doing it. But someone recognizes that you're putting in so much effort. And it's also inspiring others to step out there and do something for themselves as well. So um, really great, really, really great.
0: Well, I mean, you know, nothing comes without hard work, obviously, yeah. and passion. And you're clearly, you know, you excel in both of those. And it is really nice to see that those two cultures are coming together and recognizing. And of course, you know, empowering women is always a, a wonderful achievement for many others to be inspired. I mean, Marsha, so being a British Jamaican and now an expat, you know, living in the Middle East, obviously you must be very emotional about the whole Black Lives Matter movement, you know, the call for racial equality and the positive disruption that this has caused worldwide when everyone's coming together. But at the same time, it's really frustrating for me when I'm looking at suddenly, you know, corporates and groups and businesses are, you know, like they're scrambling and looking to hire, you know, black professionals, and then they're placing them in headlines to sort of showcase Mm -hmm. their diversity. Um, which is which is ridiculous because first and foremost, it should have been part of their business approach and not an exception in the first place. Exactly. And now you're piggybacking off this, you know, very emotional movement and trying to showcase and tick a box and get brandy points. So, what is your opinion on all of this that's currently happening?
1: You know, um, I to be honest with you, Asil, so I cried for like a week when wow. everything I, I cried, and every time. I saw that police officer's knee on Floyd's neck. I cried. Um, I couldn't watch the video. Just no. anywhere across the internet, I saw that picture. I cried. Mm-hmm. Because I have an eight year old um, and we're fortunate enough to live in a country where that's not an issue right now, but we'll have to go back to the UK at some point. Yeah. Um, and though things may seem a little bit different, they're not very different. Um, so for me, it's it's been very very emotional. Um, I'm and sure. Just at, yeah. Just looking at what all these organizations are doing, um, I'm disgusted, to be honest with you. Me too, Marsha. Yeah. Me
0: too. That's a great word. It is disgusting. I'm so disgusted. Like, absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I I don't understand. So you you never saw black people as able before this movement? Yeah. <laughs> Are you just it's, seeing us as able? Because we've crazy. Only been there. And I
0: mean, it's it's just incredible, like the ignorance, Marsha. I just I'm baffled, honestly. It it is. It's 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 almost like, you know what? Don't do it. Stop exactly. doing it. Exactly. Stop putting these, you know, individuals front, headline, and center because it's making
1: you look worse. It's Absolutely. not helping. Absolutely, because now I can see that you never had anyone there before. Yeah. So don't don't tell me now at this point that, okay, I've got so-and-so on our board. Please show me your board five years ago.
0: Show me your board a couple of weeks ago. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, if you look at the corporate structures just a month ago, they didn't look anything like this. I mean, what, you know, so obviously the consequence of this is seeing these sort of mass revolutions happening across the the world but particularly of course because that's a segment that you know we're both in fashion beauty brands luxury groups are getting slated Mm -hmm. um and good finally they they should be and they're targeted by their employees you know protesting and the consumer demanding to know how the businesses are being run who they're employing you know employees are now outing their bosses in the companies and of course most recently with Conde Nast and and you know um, Anna Winter, editor in chief of Vogue US, they've mm-hmm. been hit by very strong criticism for the failure to support diversity in the workplace, et cetera, et cetera. And then their senior two editors have left the company for racial insensitivities, and former employees are saying that they have so many accounts of discrimination. And many people were expecting to see Anna Winter, you know, gracefully resign because it's clear with all of the outbursts and the outing that it is not the right company and certainly has not been the example. But bizarrely, bizarrely, she did a mediocre apology and left many people fuming and, you know, it continues. So
1: you know you know what annoys me the most with that yeah it's the half assed vogue challenge that came out of it yeah and everybody (laughs) jumping on this bandwagon of putting their pictures on vogue covers having no idea why they're doing
0: please and that's that you know that is the point isn't it marcia it's almost it's just disgraceful because now you're making a mockery. You now every 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 social media you see every post you know and 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 they what was very frustrating for me is people assume people are stupid. People assume that you cannot see when there's an integrity and a real genuine message when you're posting and you're putting your thoughts and feelings out there and when you're plastering it so that you are seen to be. I mean, I just don't understand how uh, this is acceptable. And I really do wish they would stop and just get on and do the right thing. So it must be very frustrating because you're in publishing as well, clearly. And to see that, gosh.
1: Um, One of the reasons I started um, out and about was just to see, to one, to have more people that look like me publishing. And publishing a very diverse diverse, um, magazine that shows everybody equally you know um i don't have to be oh the the s- stick thin tall um kenyan model to be on the front right you know cuz that's that's the only way i might get yeah if if i look a certain way um i look exotic i look different so yes. therefore i'm allowed to come in and join for a little while not for too long
0: true absolutely and and frankly you know The other frustrating thing is actually every race needs to be employed. It's, it's, it's about Arabs and Europeans and blacks and Asians, this whole thing of like putting you in a box and saying, you know, everyone, all lives matter. Number one, all ethnicities matter. And especially again, when we go back and look at the luxury fashion industry, I mean, that is out and out discrimination of hiring. You so clearly see that in a lot of the big luxury groups. And then you know, the even sort of mediocre attempt to hire diversity and inclusion managers. It's not about checking a box or filling a quota. It needs to be part of a company culture. I mean, today we pride ourselves as being global citizens and talk about these brands, talk about global, building global communities when you only have one nationality in your entire group that employs maybe 20,000 people. And Mm -hmm, I don't understand why this is not just part and parcel do these groups companies businesses brands not recognize that having multiple nationalities diversifies your knowledge and experience strengthens the foundations of an organization educates you to understand multicultural because today you're selling to the world not on your doorstep like 50 years ago so how does that feel from you because you are a fashionista you love it that's what you center your you know your 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 um communication about
1: you know what absolutely I I love love fashion um, and it's it's really sad that companies have to employ an inclusion manager really because it, re- it really is so sad because we we shouldn't even be thinking in that way that we need to employ someone to check yeah. <laughs> if we've employed people from across the board wow. because it should be such a natural thing um so I know for me as a as a customer I am looking at these brands, and I am seeing what you were like before. I don't. I'm not too keen on what you're like now. Um, after a month ago, I want to see what you were like before. One of the key things for me as well. Um, so I'm not into trends. I'm not a person that's into trends. Um, and I'm, I'm. I quite like the movement now that's towards you know seasonless clothes. Yeah.
0: Finally, the finally yeah. the penny dropped. But yeah. yeah.
1: Uh Um, So it's never been a thing that, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the latest this or that. I I, I do believe it's a waste of money if you ask me. Um, And that actually led me to a business idea because I just thought, okay, so you are going to spend your money every season to get this and get that. And then you just end up with this lot, this just a lot of stuff. And that's all it is, just stuff.
0: Yeah, stuff that um, you never needed in the
1: first place. Exactly. Yeah. So I am very, as a customer, um, I'm very, very conscious. I was before, but not as I am now. I'm very conscious of who I'm buying from, what they stand for, um, the type, the message, their messaging, yeah. how their message has changed over this period of time as well. So I'm I'm on the lookout for stuff like that. And as I said, I've never been into trends. I do believe in putting stuff together for myself and, and things that look great. I don't believe you have to go out and get the latest this and that. And then that's trendy. Um, to me, that's not trendy. Being able to put what you have, lovely pieces together um, for yourself, for your own image, your own style. Exactly. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I, I put some stuff together and people say, oh, where did you get that? I'm um, thinking, oh, I've got this from this great designer. No, I bought it on the high street in London. somewhere. Yeah,
0: totally. I, I agree. And the whole, you know, the whole point of fashion throughout the decades is to, you know, amplify your sort of unique um look and to have sort of this individuality and then suddenly everybody looks like a cookie cutter because everyone's purchasing and even when you're looking at you know what really there's only one or two brands that i can name that really have that unique or luxury feel to them in any case they're nothing more than you know supermarkets that sell mass luxury and then that's a whole other subject but yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. i mean who needs to you must you should not be following trend trend is you know a term that is I think, and I love the 80s. I mean, trend was in the 80s, right? And then after that, what trend? You you know, again, we're living in this world where you put your own look together to to sort of make yourself that unique individual. So, so Marsha, I'm gonna move away and talk a little bit about education. So, as an educator, it's becoming more and more apparent that the education system has to do a lot. A lot of changes include programs on cultural diversity and inclusion from the get go. We need to educate our youth from a very early age. And I think a lot of that depends on the governments and educational institutes to make it part of their focus on priority. And you cannot make any change if it's not sort of embedded from a very young age. So tell me about your views, because obviously education is what your career has been about
1: um you know what it's it's so interesting it's it's something that we've been talking about for years as educators and I have a really good friend who is a historian and my sister as well is a historian and we talk a lot I remember when I had my son um I the first thing my sister asked me was have you told him his history I'm like he was just born you know you expect me to tell him his history she's like I just want to remind you that nobody else is going to tell him So you need to make sure you do that. And I'm like, okay, thank you very much. I just had a baby, just had a C-section, but thank you. I will remember to do that. Uh, And the reason why she was doing that is she's coming from a place of knowing that his true history will not be taught to him in school because of how the the system is set up. Um, So I think one of the key things for me, firstly, is for parents, to take some responsibility for teaching their children their history. Yes. And also looking at the diverse history that's around them. Because you are going to go to school, and for example, you're going to be taught about slavery, mm-hmm. but you're never going to be taught about, you know, free slavery. What was the African civilization like? before slavery. You don't hear anything about that. You don't hear about the great kingdoms and um, empires. You don't hear about the developments in in Egypt um, around engineering and maths and and medicine. You don't hear those things. It's not taught in schools. So I think as educators, one of the things that we have to do, we have to educate parents. And we also have to take the opportunity to push against what is currently there. Because I think we have a voice and we have an opportunity to do that. So when um, curriculums are being made, and I know, for example, in the UK, the people who decide on what goes in the curriculum is not normally a, div- a diverse group. No, totally not. I mean, it's the
0: same thing. Like people that sit on corporate boards are definitely not the profile that should be leading businesses today.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. and, um, and I think it's about, Us as, you know, minorities, making sure that we don't feel that we should be stopped. We should keep pushing, making sure that we get to the level that we can make a difference as well. Because if we're not clearly, if we don't push for that difference, it's not going to happen. It's going to take protests and revolutions and wars and all of these things to get History taught in schools, and that's the just way. baffling, isn't it? I mean, just the no, fact, no. fact that it
0: takes—it needs revolutions, and it needs what's happening now is just—it's just crazy. I mean, your point about. Parents having to have that responsibility is such a great point, Marsha. I mean, you know, myself, we were brought up in the U.S. and the U.K. And I never actually, prior to my moving to the Middle East from, for work, I would never really lived in the Middle East. You know, I left Iraq mm-hmm. when I was just a year old. But my mother and father, and they made it their absolute priority. I mean, mom, every day after school... I would come home and she'd sit there and teach me the alphabet, teach me how to read and write. And if it wasn't for mom and dad's persistence on me, first of all, understanding my heritage, my mm-hmm. religion, my values, my language, you know, that would have never enabled me to achieve what I had done being out in the Middle East all these years. So it is a responsibility. definitely starts from that. and. I know there's a long way to go, but I think that's such a great point because at least in your home environment, which you can control, that yes. definitely, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, it's so important, Asil, because um. So I'll just take for example, even being here in, in the Middle East, um, my son is so my husband is mixed race; he's half white, half black. My yeah. son is very light skin, um, and in nursery. At nursery, he was asked, um, why is your mom black and you're white? Wow. And at <laughs> nursery, I had to answer that question for my son. <gasps> and I constantly now have to be teaching him, you know, I am darker skin than you. It doesn't mean that you're not black or you're not this or that you're this or that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really strange what's so important for me to teach him of course
0: absolutely absolutely and hopefully you know these new generations are the ones that are going to lead and hopefully the world is in a better place than it is today Marsha let's hope for that so let's talk about out and about because what I love you know about your publication obviously the fact that it focuses on real stories and real people but most importantly, that you pride yourself on not featuring celebrities or gossip and really looking at real people, real projects. So why it's clear to me, I mean, you know, speaking to you why you chose to do this. But you tell me from your perspective, why this angle?
1: Um, Are you just tired of seeing magazines that you flip through and you just see? I don't um, even
0: read magazines anymore because oh, of that.
1: Great. great. Um, so that's that's where I started. Yeah. Uh, I would look in a magazine and all I see is this person having a baby. That person is getting a divorce. Getting the divorce. <laughs> that person is doing this. That person is doing that. But Got nothing it. that inspires me. Nothing that I can learn from. No one that I can try to reach out. To. I like to say I like to stalk people because I yeah. love to learn. So when I started out and about, one of the things that I want to do, wanted to do was to provide content that shows you people that have gone ahead of you and have done something that you probably want to do, but you feel, you know, you're fearful. You've been trying to take yourself out of your head for ages, but you're fearful of what is going to happen or what might not even happen. Yeah. So I wanted to provide those opportunities for you and myself, because I've learned so much to, Look at other people's stories, look at what they've gone through, look at the types of things that they've done. Um, look at just relatable things, people like you and I. I can't, though I love Beyonce's music, I don't see myself as Beyonce. I can't I can't relate to them. No, exactly. So I wanted that opportunity to show people that you can actually relate to. So I'm speaking to a sill. Um, I can interview you and I can learn so much more about you and what you've done. You're a phenomenal woman um, and lots of other people would love to hear your story as well and love to.
0: So, Marsha, I mean, what am I? Well, the question was originally going to be who've been the most inspirational people that you've interviewed. And then I thought of that and I'm like, that's not fair. I'm not going to put you in that position for you to have to choose who you have interviewed. So I'm going to rephrase that question and ask you, who would you love to interview?
1: Ah, oh, there, there, there's so many people. There is one person I've been stalking a little bit. Um, and it's the gentleman that started Souk in um, the Middle East. Yes. Um, and did that turnover to Amazon. Um, yeah. That's one person that, and I, that name is on, that is just at the top of my list because it's someone I've been stalking. Ronaldo recently. and he's not the football Ronaldo. player. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So, that's cool.
1: Maybe I can hook you up yeah, that would be great. So he's definitely one person that I would love because for me, I just love to learn about, you know, his start to where he is now and just where his mind is more and than he's anything. a lovely
0: guy. I mean, what makes it even more delightful is that he's successful, of course, and also a really wonderful person. So that's a great, and who else? Um... I think which I, women. I, which I, empowered women would you love to have a conversation with? Oprah.
1: Uh, <laughs> she's great. Cool. Yes, definitely Oprah. Um, I don't know how relatable Oprah will be for the audience, though. We we love Oprah. We, we do. I mean, she's her. an
0: inspiration, isn't she? Yeah, honestly, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean.
1: Really. I, at one point, I had this um, big idea that I'm going to interview Michelle Obama. I think we all mm-hmm. did. yeah and maybe it's
0: still there listen maybe you and I could do like a joint effort
1: yes yeah she's also yeah definitely um one other person that's been on my radar but I i love to just um find women and men around especially around the Middle East or or who worked in the Middle East um that people can relate to yeah So it's not necessarily um, a a public figure.
0: Of course,
1: yes. But people who have a great story
0: behind them. And there are so many people out there that Mm -hmm. are inspirational. Mm -hmm. So I'm certain that you're never gonna run out of content. Mm -hmm. Neither will I. I mean, that's the whole beauty of doing this, isn't it? So tell me as like a self-confessed fashionista, what are you looking to see in terms from from a shopper perspective now, what would you like to see change in the industry?
1: Um, so I think we began talking about that. Uh, yeah um, definitely, the idea of the seasonless really appeals to me. um not having to choose clothes that are in season. I can my clothes can still be fine fifty years down the line. If I choose to pick something up now, I can wear I, I do that anyway. I'll wear it whenever. But I love the idea that brands are going seasonless which is something that should have happened a long time ago. Yeah. Um, in terms of just where fashion is going, um, I-, I want to look at the tech side as well. Yeah. I want to be able to stay at home and be able to create something. And then, you know, this is wild now. So I- I'd love to be able to come up with an idea for a dress that I want and be able to go online and, and just put that idea somewhere Yes, um, and just have different, you know, local designers yeah. come back with something, you know, sort of, sort of a, a, a bid, something yes. that says, this is what I could do for you with the ideas that you've put through.
0: Yes. so you kind and of have it like, made bespoke for you. Yes.
1: yes. So I'd love to see a lot, a lot more of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. And that also, you know, supports all these other amazing talents that are out there, which is so important for us as well. So Marsha, I mean, I know you're um, going to dash off and it's been an amazing conversation with you. So before we kind of sign off, words of inspiration and thoughts to empower our audience, please.
1: Um, for me, it's always just keep pushing. Keep pushing, there is so much happening at the moment and I know a lot of people are going through a lot. Um, Know that you're not alone. So the best of us are going through it as well. If you need to talk to someone, if there's something that's bothering you, please reach out to someone and have a conversation. Um, Mental health at this point is so important. And if you are a friend of someone, I'm sure you're a friend of someone, reach out. If they have not reached out to you, take the opportunity to reach out to them because all our friends are not okay.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I mean, that's, I just did a turban thinker thoughts a couple of days ago, which is exactly that because, you know, so I, I, I was commenting that it's so interesting. There's an age old saying that says, keep your thoughts to yourself. And I was about, no, please don't. You know, this is the time when you need to really share your thoughts and really your feelings, most importantly, because it is a tough time for everyone. You're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. And not everybody's okay. And so, you know, we do hope that this will start to turn soon, Marsha, and that things kind of settle to some sort of normality. But it was lovely having you and you're such an inspiration, really wonderful person. Thank you so much for your time with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marsha. You have
0: a fantastic day and I'll speak to you soon.
1: You too. Take care.
0: Take care. Bye. Bye.